Hi, everyone. Welcome to Perspectives of Change. Today, we bring a special guest with us. But as again, I will start by introducing our show and then we'll get to our very special guest. At Perspectives of Change, uh, we are dedicated to exploring how to not change forward by understanding and valuing multiple perspectives. Because sometimes as a change agent, we start to believe that our perspective is the only one. But guess what? There's much more than just our own perspective. Um, I'm your host, Sarika Karbanda. Uh, I'm a change hacker, lean change agent and coach and the host of the show, especially for today. With that, I'll start to welcome our special guest today, dialing in from Melbourne, Australia, Peter Fan or Peter Pan? Peter Fan. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Peter. Do you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. Sarika, thanks for inviting me to the show today. Really honored to be here. It's my first podcast, so please take it easy on me. And I'll try my best to you know, entertain you all. Uh, you're going to be just perfect, Peter. You are lovely at conversations. And yeah, let's let's begin by introducing you, Peter. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do justice to your introduction, because I think you could load it with much more than what I'm about to say. So feel free to add immediately after. So uh, Peter says that he's armed only with a pen, paper and a proven knack for capturing complex ideas. With this, he simplifies the complexities of organizational change into engaging videos and visuals that help organizations implement and bring change to life. Brilliantly said, Peter. I think I've had personal experience in you doing that, especially for my own product. So I'd love to talk about that too at some point. Um, Peter has got a business and he calls that Flim Studios, uh, which you can visit at flimstudios.com. Uh, so at Flim Studios, Peter has worked with a wide range of big and small organizations to clarify and help implement their change initiatives, whether it's a company-wide transformation or an overdue IT upgrade. You've helped them all to get visual. Um, would you like to add something, Peter, to your own introduction? Look, I think that was a pretty good summary. Um, but I guess when you sort of take it back, you know, I studied engineering and commerce. So my background is in engineering and commerce. And, you know, it's sort of quite different to, you know, drawing and visualizing projects, right? And so for me, drawing has always been a, it's been a passion of mine. I've always loved drawing. But, you know, sort of coming from an Asian background and obviously having Asian parents, there's this expectation that, you know, you need to study something prestigious, something your parents can brag about. And so, you know, I loved my parents. I thought, you know, let's study engineering commerce, you know, make them happy and then start a, uh, start a side hustle um, related to drawing. And so that's where sort of Flim Studios came up. And I've been doing this for about eight years now and really, really enjoying that sort of working in that sort of change and strategy place, you know really being able to sort of visualize those change projects and those strategies and really trying to help people clarify their message. That's the goal, really. Mm, it's interesting you mentioned that. Reminds me of, I think it's, uh, and we'll, we'll come to uh, why, what, what visualization and change means for you. It just reminds me of an article that Harvard Business Review had uh, uh, mentioned uh, some time ago, probably 2015 or 16, and they said that visualization is probably going to be the new prerequisite that every manager in an organization should have and whatnots, right? And here we are talking about your special uh, speciality, I would say, cutting through the noise and bringing your change to life. With that, I'm going to throw my first question at you. Uh, 
why is visualization so important to you? And what does change mean to you? Okay, two, two questions, but go for it. <laughs> All right, so visualization for me, there's two aspects to it. The first is it's about clarifying your message, right? So a lot of the communication nowadays, it's not new. There's a lot of emails, a lot of noise, a lot of text-based mediums. And when you visualize something, you're essentially making it easier for people to understand because you're breaking those, all those texts that people have to read into a nice visual, right? So if you think about a graph and data, you know, you've got data, you know, table full of all these numbers, which doesn't really mean much if you look at it as a whole, but then if you convert it into a pie chart, you know, that means a lot more, a bar chart or whatever, some sort of graph, that means a lot more. And so visualizing your comms is essentially the same concept. You're getting all that text information, you're pulling out all the key points, and you're turning it into a really, really nice story. And that links pretty well to the, the concept of change, because mm. for me, change means your, your inner current state, and there's something that you want to improve, or you're unhappy about something, or there's some sort of challenge or problem, and you're trying to change that to achieve a better outcome, right? So that's the future desired state. It's similar to the ProStar model, you know, current state, future state, and then in the middle, you've got your strategy or how you're going to get there. And so for me, being able to visualize that is really about creating a story that people can understand. And that sort of leads on to point number two, which is about making it attractive. You know, visualization makes things more attractive, right? You've got one aspect, which is about clarifying the message, making people understand better. But the other aspect is that making it people want to look at it. You know, if you gave people a textbook and you gave people a movie, most of the time people are probably going to choose the movie or even a book. Like let's say it's a book, you know, mm -hmm. Harry Potter, for example, you know, some people might want to read it. You know, it's, I think if you read it and your average read, it probably take you about eight hours or so, maybe a bit longer. But if you watch the movie, you know, it's done in like two hours, right? And through that, you're, you understand all the key concepts. You're not going to cover every single thing that's in the book, but you overall know what the story is. And if you wanted to find out more, you could go into the book after. Mm. So that's a concept, really. It's, it's nice how you related uh, into change and get it through storytelling. And it kind of brings, I think, stakeholders and participants in change kind of invites them to participate in a dialogue, more like a conversation rather than anything else, because it's no longer like a structured process. It's more like, hey, is this also what you think? Why don't you bring your perspectives in and just probably builds a good platform for collaboration. Correct. And when you're sort of build this story, most of the time it's, you know, your project sponsor or your project executive's vision. But then because you go through so much stakeholder engagement, everyone has their sort of input. And so you mm -hmm. might find that, you know, as part of this sort of visualization process, you'll be able to help each other sort of prioritize what are the key messages? You know, what are the key challenges we're expecting? What are the key sort of outcomes we're trying to achieve and how we're going to get there? And because you can't fit everything in that sort of one picture or visual, you know, it really works your brain a bit, especially with all the different stakeholders involved. Oh, wonderful. So, so here's, here's the follow-up bit. Why cartooning for change? Because I could do visualization with storytelling, infographics, and, you know, there's so many approaches, sketch noting, pretty much anything. What's with cartooning for change? I think well, the reason why I use cartoons is because it's fun, right? It's different and it's, it brings it back to sort of like a childish elements to it. If you think about your typical communication, you know, there's a lot of digital art, like, you know, what I like to call sort of vector art and icons. You know, you see a lot of icons and they're really nicely designed and you've got, you know, really nice text-based communication and, you know, nice PowerPoints and whatnot. But then when you start implementing cartoons, it sort of breaks down that sort of barrier. There's like a sort of defense 
defense mechanism where you go, oh, just another communication, just another email, just another icon. Mm. Once you see the cartoon, you sort of automatically, oh, what's this? You know, this is a little bit different. I haven't seen cartoons communicate in my organization before because no one does it, right? Once in a while, you'll see it and then you'll be sort of, oh, that's interesting. And then even if you don't like it, even if you absolutely hate it, you'll still look at it. In which case you've already achieved your goal, in which case you're that person who hates that cartoon has still watched or read your cartoon or looked at it. So tick. Oh, I love that idea. I mean, also reminds me of um, workshops that I see stakeholders, senior stakeholders, right? They're playing with Lego and that is like, gets the childlike behavior out of people, but still is building something. And, and I see that relation now with you mentioning it in reference to cartooning for change. So I know we've been in a pandemic all of last year and things have also gone more global, uh, Peter. So would you see a lot of people, organizations globally now probably, or maybe just you know relevant in your uh, uh, area where you're staying in Australia, um, moving towards this kind of uh, cartooning for change or looking for these, or, you know, just moving the needle from slabs of text to cartooning for change. How do you see it? Definitely, I've seen an uptake in that. In terms of not cartoons, I think people aren't at sort of the cartoon aspect yet because when I think of cartoons, I think they're thinking, you know, drawing a masterpiece, right? Drawing the best mm. cartoon you can make and trying to make it look really, really nice. And because they are, I can't draw cartoons, they're not going to even bother or think about it. Whereas, mm. you know, when I think about cartoons, I'm thinking more, you know, drawing you know, very, very basic elements enough to be able to communicate. And then if you wanted to sort of take that further, you can take it to your studio team or whatever and get them to sort of polish it up. But in terms of, you know, visualization, I think that's definitely something that's, you know, improved over time. You see people learning about, you know, for example, you know, Sharon Connolly, who's doing amazing work in that sort of visualization space. You know, she's creating all these awesome templates and making it really, really easy for people to present the information in a nice and engaging way. The kudos to her, she's doing some amazing work there. And I think a lot of people are sort of appreciating the aspect is that, if you don't make it attractive, if you don't visualize it, and if it doesn't look good, people aren't going to be inclined to read it or digest the information. Mm -hmm. And that's why marketing exists, right? If you think about marketing, you know, the whole industry is about making the organization look good from an external perspective, but you don't see a lot of people focusing on the internal branding. You know, how do you, you should be using that sort of the marketing techniques internally so that people are more inclined to look at your work. So all those documents that you produce internally, I think, you know, if you make it look more attractive, more engaging, more visual, chances are you're going to get more people absorbing all that information or trying to understand it. Yeah, I love what you say about using those techniques also internally, because we forget that our employees are also our brand ambassadors. And with them consuming that information, it's also going to go out externally automatically. Love that quote that you bring out. So um, maybe maybe here's another question. Um, You've, 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 you've been working at lots of small, medium, large customers and organizations. You've been sharing your stories with me. I think it'd be great to share some kind of challenges that you've probably seen trending with your customers in general while they you know, want to move to this kind of uh, uh, visualization approach. And maybe if you can share a story and feel free to not share a customer name and we're okay with that, but would be great sure. to hear a story from you. Sure. Um, I guess the biggest challenge has been that when you're trying to visualize something, there's a lot of information that you're trying to sort of break down into its various sort of basic elements, right? You've got lots of challenges that you're experiencing. You've got lots of uh, outcomes you're trying, benefits you're trying to achieve, and you've got lots of strategies. 
And so, you know, when you go through the process of visualizing, you'll find that you can't fit everything. I sort of mentioned this before, you can't fit everything. And so what I always do is because when I'm visualizing, most of my work is sort of in the animation space. So I actually create an animation video of their sort of strategy or vision. And as part of that, I always say, try to limit your script to 400 words, 500 words maximum. And so when you try to script everything down to 400 words, which equates to roughly three minutes and a half, four minutes, you'll find that there's not a lot of things that you can fit in there. And you're trying to link all these different elements together. And so when I'm trying to help people sort of communicate their strategy or their vision, there's a five, sort of five things that I like to highlight. The first is the current state. So, you know, what are the challenges that you're trying to address? And then as part of your current state, you also want to talk about, you know, the positive aspects of your current state, because at the end of the day, you know, your employees and your stakeholders, you know, worked with your organization to bring it to its current state. And so you don't want to talk negatively about the current state. It's, chances are it's pretty good, but you just need a little bit more work. So you're trying to soften that story. And then on the sort of very right hand side, you've got your future desired state. So what are the benefits you're trying to achieve? Right. And then in the middle, you've got your strategy. And then there's sort of two more elements I like to sort of highlight. It's the obstacles, the so things that you're trying to, things that you might encounter along the way, and then supporting tools that you'll need to provide so that your people can overcome these obstacles. And so if you wrap all these five elements together, you have a really, really nice story. It's almost like a superhero, right? You know, you think about a superhero story, you've got your challenger, they're trying to overcome something, they're trying to get there and halfway through something happens to them and they have to try to overcome it, they have to think of new ways and strategies, they need some help, it might be a friend, a guide, whatever, and then once they overcome it, they have a happy ending. So that's the idea around that visualization process. So I think the challenge has always been trying to get all of that into 400 words. And so, you know, really it's around getting it down to all those dot points and prioritizing what your key message is. And I think that's what a lot of um, customers have had issues with. Mm. In terms of, you know, visualizing it, you know, once you have all those elements, it's pretty easy to draw it. You know, you've got your current state. So let's say, you know, how would you want to represent your current state? The most basic one for me and the ones I sort of generally use a lot as a sort of a base example is, you know, buildings and a bridge. So you've got a building, it's an old looking building and that can represent your current state. Then you've got your bridge, which represents your strategy and how you're going to overcome it. And then on the right hand side, you've got a more modern new, you know, futuristic building and it's, you know, it's looking fantastic. And that could be your future current, uh, future desired state. And so, you know, the bridge is obviously a bridge over some water. So in that water, you could have, you know, some sharks and that could be your challenges, right? And then you, know, you could have a bus traveling on the bridge, which represents your change project, right? And you know, bus typically brings people on board on board this journey. The bus is a great example or way to communicate that you know you're bringing your people from the current state to the future state. And then you know, if you want to add a little bit more in terms of the supporting tools, you can have you know, parachutes dropping down, and there could be you know mm -hmm. packages of supply that might help you. It might be you know training tools or you know face-to-face -face, uh, webinars, whatever it is. You sort of parachute them down to help people. So that's. Hmm the basics of what I do. It's fantastic. So while you were talking now about, you know, how you bring the current state to future state and all of that, of course, I was almost in that workshop that you did uh, last year <laughs> at the Australian Change Days, of which I was delighted to be a part of. And I can definitely tell people I was bad at sketching anything. Okay. And I'm okay saying that. But <laughs> the more important thing there was uh, from your previous story, when you talked about it, being a superhero journey also, right? I could literally relate and visualize 
the journey and how it goes. And that's brilliant because my visualization meter was already working where I was thinking while you were talking. And that's the magic that, you know, a story brings when you put that out there and you can visualize it. I'm curious to hear from the participants that we have, the audience that we have today. Um, just this point, right, that you mentioned. So I'm just curious to hear, what do you guys think? And then we'll just open up the floor to some questions before I come back to Peter with a couple more questions. You're welcome to unmute yourself and just talk. We're a bit of a quiet audience today. <laughs> Who's going to go first? <laughs> That's always the question. <laughs> um, I was kind of keen to see some. Um, I could go onto your website, to be honest with you, and have a look at some of your examples. Um, there's one change that's coming up in my organization, which is to do with skilling up um, our team. And I guess I'm just curious to see if you have examples of how you sell that change. Um, to the audience, right? Because over the last year and a half, um, because of all the stuff that's been going on around the world, I guess people are probably going to be a little bit more cynical, maybe more than normal. And I would just want to make sure that this change sticks, right? And that we've got, for want of a better word, a whole bunch of little advocates running around saying, this is going to be awesome, right? So I'm just curious to see what, I guess, what ideas you have or examples of how you've managed to, um, help make changes like that successful. Yeah. So it goes back to sort of marketing, right? So mm -hmm. if you think about marketing, most of the time when you communicate, they're trying to communicate, you know, what's in it for me, right? What are the benefits that you're yeah. trying to achieve, right? And so if you can highlight those key elements and constantly sort of repeat it and show examples and proof of it, that's a great way to do that. And, you know, and one way of doing that is user case scenarios. So some videos I like to create, you know, for example, meet Hannah, the hiring manager. Now, Hannah used to have a lot of you know, challenges filling out all these paperwork and documents by hand manually. However, through the new process, blah, 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 she's now able to do that in one minute. And we sort of walk through that process as part of that video. So step one, mm. Hannah will do this. Step two, Hannah will do this. At the end, Hannah's now achieved that, 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 that. And so you can also okay. wrap all of that in a minute and yeah, a half. I like it. Because you right, almost you can almost build up different personas then along correct. the journey to say you have different avatars. So you know you know Hannah the right, hiring avatar. manager, you know Mark the senior manager, whatever it is. You know create some mm. catchy names. What I like to do is use the same name. So the first letter of the name should be similar to the title name, and that makes it a little bit more catchy. So you know Hannah the hiring manager, Mark the manager, um, oh. Sally the senior executive, Perfect. that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. Good ideas. Thank you. The other thing is, you know, try to make it diverse as well. So if you sort of be, when you're building these characters, you know, think about, you know, multiculturalism, things like that. I think that's something that people have really, really appreciated over the past few years. You know, yep. Previously, I didn't do that as much. And over time, there was like more appetite and people wanted more of it. Like, oh, they love it. They love it. They love it. So think about that as well when you're creating the avatars. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Who's next? I think the challenge, I'm rolling out a, a big project at the moment, it's a tech project, uh, moving everybody just to SharePoint online. And I think what I'm facing at the moment 
um, with the company I'm working for, as you can see from, I think it's the Smith family, we have a lot of regional um, employees that may not be so tech savvy and mm. really struggle with what we're trying to do. So trying to do my messages and my you know, PowerPoint and videos and things is quite difficult because I have to pull it right back for some people, whereas other people are very technical and are picking it up in three seconds. So how do you manage that when one video might not be suitable for the whole wider, you know, 700, 800 employees plus thousands of volunteers? Yep. So the solution that today has been breaking that video up into sort of different levels. So what I generally do is with a lot of my projects, it's I like to break it down to three levels, level one, level two, level three. The level one is that sort of high level summary that everyone should sort of look at because it gives you an understanding of what that process is about. And then level, level two is a series of deep dives into various aspects. And let's say you've got, um, as an example, let's say it's a finance system, right? And you've got, you know, invoicing, then you've got receding and you've got creating a purchase order. Those are all separate steps. So what you can do is you can create a mini video for each one, which provides a high level summary. And then you can provide additional information in the text form. Because what I found is that videos are great for communicating the high level, but they're not great for the detail. So if you can sort of create this sort of a flow of videos or steps which people can process and go through step by step, then that's the easiest way to get people on board. And by having that level one, level two, level three aspect, which is one, the high level summary, two is a almost like a summary of a specific element, and then three is like the detail, the hardcore detail, then you're going to be able to help people go through that. And yeah. if in that video, you can clearly label that video, you know, a specific title so that it links to the level three detailed version, then that's going to be able to help people so they can watch that video and go for more information, look at the document below. And that document's named exactly the same as that level two video. So that's what I've been doing today. Not sure if that answers the question or helps. It would because um, that's how I've structured it at the moment. High level, lunch and learns, very high level, and then more mm. detailed as I move through because it's actually a rolling migration. As one mm. team starts, another kicks off. It's not everybody moving through at mm. the same time. So it's If you sort of make sure you have it sort of step by step, I think mm. that's the key. Having mm. from sort of left to right is a great way of presenting the information as well. Our brains like to process things from left to right or up and down. So most people are probably using PCs. And so if you can go left to right and have a sort of like a status bar on the bottom, right? Showing all the steps. If you go on my website, there's an example of an interactive PDF, uh, the Deacon talent acquisition one. And you'll see on the status bar on the bottom, there's like steps that go from left to right. And so as you progress through, it highlights which area you're at. So then people know, okay, this is where I'm at and I can move to this section. I already know about this topic, so I can skip that one and move on to the next one. Right. And I noticed Sharon Connolly used lots of her templates, attended a lot of her courses. Um, she's starting to use PowerPoint to create videos and things a lot now. So what systems do you recommend, Peter, that are easy to use? I would say, unless you're planning on going professional, PowerPoint is a great tool if you're comfortable with that. But let's say you want to take animation a little bit more serious, then you know you can look at the Adobe Suite. Yeah. Um, that's a lot more technical. It's not as easy. It's not so like here's an icon, drag it, and you move it around. It's a lot more technical. Um, so unless you're sort of seriously wanting to learn it, I wouldn't go through the Adobe Suite. If you want to do cartoons, there's a program called like Powtoon, for example, which does that whole hand drawn aspect. So you can look at mm -hmm. Powtoons. Uh, that's one of the programs that I've heard a lot of feedback. I don't personally use it because I draw my own and animate my own, but um, that's something that I've sort of suggested. 
Uh, PowerPoints is great. You know, you can also draw cartoons, upload it to PowerPoint, and then animate mm -hmm. through there as well. Um, but yeah, PowerPoint is a great tool. And if you take a, you know, Sharon's courses, you know, you should be able to learn a ton of tricks. Nice. More questions for Peter. Oh, uh, Peter, could you just add that name to the chat? That's Jason's question there. Pal oh, tools, pal did you say? Yeah, pal tools. Okay. Sweet. I think it's got Creative Cloud. Perfect. Any other questions that we want to put to Peter? Or do I bring in my last two questions for you? Um, I have a question. Um, Go for it. I was just I was just wondering if you have I guess not so much like like a checklist if you're 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 trying in one animation or one storytelling or whatever it may be to cover a very diverse uh, range of end users. So people that range, I guess perhaps uh, in age, even gender diversity. And to give you an example, I work within the railway, so mm -hmm. we've got a group of people that are are sort of very new to a lot of the, the, the technology that we're bringing in. But then mm -hmm. we've also got uh, a very large portion of our workforce who are perhaps more of a mature uh, age group and very sort of set in their ways. So if you're looking to, you know, like what would be a sort of checklist to make sure if you were to try and cover off as best you can within that story, that wider, you know, diversity lens that you talked about before. So in terms of that, I think there's no real checklist because every organization is going to be quite different. Um, what I'd sort of do is, you know, speak to your project managers, speak to your stakeholders and, you know, get them to come up with the examples because you can come up to, you know, anywhere between, you know, four avatars all the way to 10 avatars. Um, and you'll find that as you circulate that image around, people go, hey, you know, we're missing something or let's add this. And you'll find that people the creativity starts opening up once you show them an example of what you're trying to achieve. So I'd say let your people sort of work out what those examples could look like and what they should be wearing, you know, what kind of clothes, for example, what kind of clothes should they wear, you know, hard hats, high vis, or, you know, an office, should they wear a tie, no tie, you know, don't assume things, just let your people sort of work out what they want to see, because the more power you give to them in terms of creating those images, the more ownership they'll have of the picture. Cool. Thank you. I love that last last statement. It's all about co-creating the change with the people impacted by it. So it's brilliant. Hmm. You can give them hints, you can give them ideas, but then let them come up with the actual idea. So as an example, you know, I come up with, I might say, look, here's a current state, here's a future state. Think of a vehicle. You know, most of the time, look, as an example, I might say a bus and something, oh, let's use a rocket, you know, let's use an aeroplane, you know. So let them come up with the concept and then you sort of just help them guide them through that sort of storytelling elements so that they cover off the key elements. Indeed. Any other questions for Peter? Okay, here's my question, Peter. Uh, and I've been like waiting now to ask a couple of questions. Yeah. So uh, I, think, I think one um, question uh, that pops up to my mind always, probably for most podcasts, but especially for this one, I would say is because as a normal person, I would just say, hey, I'm a little 
scared, you know, to draw a cartoon and I'm not probably good at it. I just said that, right? Last year when I did this session with you, I was like, oh, I'm so bad at this. That would be a normal human reaction. Oh, I don't think I'm great at this. So that's my challenge and whatever. Now I've heard Peter, it sounds like I can do this, but if I have to do this, what's like a key message that you can leave for people, you know, to take away from uh, visualization? How do they cut through the noise and bring change to life? I think the key message is you're not trying to draw to impress, right? Don't Mm -hmm. try to draw to impress. Draw to communicate, right? So if you're trying to draw a, you know, happy person, right? Don't try to draw, you know, a person with hair, nose, ears, clothes. Just draw a circle, two eyes and a smiley mouth, smiley uh, mouth, right? That's all you need to demonstrate that a person is happy. Think about, you know, your mobile phone and the emote emoticons you have, right? Those are just simple images that portray different feelings. And people can understand what you're trying to portray simply by putting an emoticon, right? You put a, you know, a um, party hat on and people know you're celebrating something or, you know, you put a high five. Just use simple images to communicate. Don't try to impress. If you try, once you try to impress people and try to make it into a masterpiece, that's when the image becomes complicated, right? You don't want to turn this into complex because your information is already complex. Your strategy is complex. But if you're simplifying it, you're trying to simplify it and try to make your images really, really simple as well. So again, you know, if you go on my website and have a look at my examples, all my cartoons are really, really basic characters. I don't try to, you know, add anything fancy to them. You know, a person is literally circle face and then the body is usually just round and they might have two arms and the arms will be stick figure arms with a circle at the end, right? Very, very simple images. Keep it simple. Indeed. I love, I love the way you put it. So draw to communicate. So, hey, um, all our listeners and viewers today and tomorrow, um, don't draw to impress, just draw to communicate. And Peter, do you want to just tell us once again, what is your website URL? Sure. Um, so my website is www.flimpstudios.com. So flimp is F-L-I-M-P studios.com. Perfect. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for being on the show. I have totally enjoyed this conversation and I see that our viewers have had good questions and probably have some good takeaways they've uh, had from you. So thank you again. And I hope to have you back on the podcast sometime soon. Thanks, Erica. I really, really appreciate you inviting me here. Really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I hope everyone who joined us today has enjoyed as well. Thanks so much. Thank you all. Excellent. Thank you all. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. And thank you all for joining Perspectives of Change. We will see you at the next podcast. Thank you.